0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. Quick re- recap, we talked about this first bracha is about um, how we encounter God's presence in nature in the morning, the cue for that, the, uh, I'll, I'll say the micro- is the sun came up and it's light out. And then the macro is that cues us in to remember that God is the God of creation, the God of the universe. And then we've talked at length how in the middle of that meditation on God as the God of the universe, the authors of the Sidur decided to drop in the a version of the Kedusha, where we talk about the angels who are thought of as the heavenly beings, God's heavenly servants, who are thought of also as the sun, moon, and stars, the heavenly bodies, right? So the, and we talked about how the Kedusha is an attempt to, uh, let's just say, revisit the mystical experience of the prophets Isaiah, Yeshayahu, and Ezekiel, Yechezkel, who had visions of God, Kadosh, 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 with angels. Angels said Kadosh, 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 or Baruch Fodashemim Komo, right? And this gets construed as in a, a vision of God's heavenly beings, and um, those heavenly beings in this context of this Bracha are imagined as astral bodies. The sun, the moon, the stars, and that's why the Kedusha is in this bracha. So that was kind of a, I just raced through in one paragraph, basically, I think, four to six weeks of class. So if those who are just joining us didn't quite follow it, then I'm sorry, but I'm summarizing a lot. So after the Kedusha, we have the closing paragraph, le'el baruch ni'imot tenu. Everyone with me on that? want to make sure you have it. If you don't have it, raise your hand and wave. So we talked about the beings who are variously called Tzrafim, or Ofanim, or Chayot. In common Jewish parlance, we call them all Malachim, angels. But there are all these different classes of heavenly beings because there are different words used for them in different places in the Bible. And then we are grammatically continuing. The the paragraph, Le'el Baruch, is grammatically continuing what happened above. El baruch ne'imot itenu, to the God full of blessing. They give, ne'imot here probably means melodies, okay? They are singing. So we talked again at length about how the, um, the heavenly array are envisioned as also as a choir and they're singing, which kind of evokes in us a feeling of what we're supposed to be doing. Right? They're singing in praise of God. We're singing in praise of God. We also mentioned several times how so many of these things sound poetic or rhyming or rhythmic or musical. We're going to come to another batch of musicals in a moment. Okay, So they sing to God, Lamelach El Chayvachayam, to the eternal deity, Zimirot Yomeru of Tishbachot They say, Hymn praises, and they say praises. So they're singing praisefully. Why do they do this? Key for, who livado? God alone, is the one who. And now we have eight couplets, which again is poetic. Poel wrote, osech adashot. You can count them. There's eight of them. Um, You know, and uh, our English attempts to um, copy this. Doing mighty deeds, creating new life. They didn't get it down to two words, either one of those. Championing justice, sowing righteousness, reaping victory, bringing healing awesome in praise, sovereign of wonders, right? So the English is sort of trying. It doesn't rhyme, so you kind of lose the rhyme and some of the rhythm that you have in the Hebrew. So God, and these are all not exact synonyms, these phrases. They're different aspects of it. Does mighty things, creates new things, master of wars, sowing right, sower of righteousness, uh, Sprouter of victories, creator of healings, right? So various ways of saying God is the one who does everything. By the way, notice we also have milchamot, wars in there. So it's not only about nice stuff. It's not just about you created the plants and isn't that sweet. And this idea of... God is in charge of milchamot also. Takes us back to what thought which we had at the beginning of the bracha. How did the whole bracha open? Yotzer or, uh, you, you may all unmute yourselves, unless you're shuffling and rustling. Oseh shalom. Right. Oseh... Oseh shalom. Oseh shalom u. Vore, and creates everything, which we said was a substitution for the original word in Isaiah. And what was the original word in Isaiah? Vore hara, Right? God makes good and makes evil. Meaning, although we don't exactly understand what that means to say God is vore or makes Hoshef. Or, sorry, I don't want, I'm going to take that sentence back. Although it creates theological problems for us, if we say that God creates good and evil, that certainly creates theological problems, right? You'd agree on that? Why would God create evil? Okay, so that's a theological problem. However, we talked at length about how this is a stand against dualistic thinking, right, of Isaiah's time, which said God creates the good, And there's the bad God who creates evil, and the world's a constant struggle between the good God and the bad God. So, either you're a dualist, or you're a monotheist. If you're a strict monotheist and you say everything comes from God, then somehow or other, COVID-19 comes from God. Now, that poses theological problems, which have been wrestled with for millennia. So. You know, it's not a class here in the book of Job, but so if, if we say that's tru- if you say, gee, that's a troubling idea, you're not the first one to be troubled by that idea. But it's clear that the theology of classical Judaism, as expressed in this bracha, is God is the somehow behind everything, which is why it shouldn't surprise you that Baal Milchamot is one of the phrases. Everyone with me on that? So God is the author of everything. So we're saying, Ki God alone. So the angels praise. Why do they praise? They sing and they offer hymns to God. Why? Because God is the only God. God is the only one who makes and creates all of these things. So we're back to the idea of God as creative force, which is what the whole bracha is about. Everyone with me? So, God creates everything, okay? We're going to come back to some of those specific things in the eight in a few minutes, I hope. And then we have kind of a summary sentence. Hamchadesh bituvo b'chol yom tamid ma'asev want Everyone see that line? The one who renews in, uh, forgive me for the gendered, I'm going to say her, renews in her goodness, Every day, tamid, all the time, ma'asev reshit, the work of creation. I think we learned in 11th grade American history, I think, someone's better at this, you'll remind me, that our founding fathers were not theists, but were deists, right? or some of them were were deists. Anyone remember the difference between a theist and a deist from American history and our founding fathers? So I think, I'm not an expert in this, but I think deists believe that God made the world and then walked away. Theists believe that God continues to be involved in the world. Everyone get that distinction? Whether I'm right on deism and theism, I don't know about that part. You can look it up and, and tell me next week if I'm wrong. Um, so this statement, hamchadeish Bituvo, b'chol yom tamid ma'asev comes down very strongly on which side? Theism, not deism. God creates every day. So we're coming back. We're at the end of the bracha. You always, the, the rule, I'm going to put in quotes, the literary rule is when in a long bracha, meaning a long section, which is one bracha unit, you, the author always has to, come, although the author may meander in the author's discourse, the author has to come back to the main topic of the bracha at the end. And so the author comes back to the main topic of the bracha which is Yotzer Oruvo Rechoshech, Hame Irla Ars Father Rim Ali Abrachamin, God, you make nature. So the author is coming back to God, you are the author of all creation. But in a particular way, Ham Kadesh Bituvo Bikol Yom Tamid Maser Shit. Right? This means that God is not just the one who created back in Genesis chapter 1, but actually the fact that the sun rose this morning means that Hashem is still actively involved in creation. Not that Hashem set up the sun, moon, and the stars at the beginning of time and is not involved anymore. You might think that, right? God made nature and then walked away, metaphorically speaking. But no, God is, the, the fact that nature continues to move, the fact that the sun rose again is evidence, says the author, that God continues to be the creator God. In other words, creation is continuous and not one time. This is a, um, a theological thing um, which is talked about by medieval Jewish philosophers Rambam, for example, says the world, the universe, continues to exist because God wills it to continue to exist. And if God stopped willing it for one split second, then the universe would stop existing. Right. So um, I I read a few weeks ago there was some, uh, uh, I think, British thinker in the 1600s or 1700s. It was the first guy who came up with the watchmaker uh, metaphor. Apparently he was wandering on the cliffs, he was hiking in England and he saw a pocket watch that someone had lost and he looked down and he picked it up and he contemplated and he saw the watch and he thought about the watchmaker and that's how he had the brilliant stroke of genius, um, that this idea that if there's a watch, there must be a watchmaker. Right. If there's a world, then there must have been a deity who created it. So the medieval Jewish philosophers say, no, it's not like that. Right. Because that might mean the watchmaker made the watch and then never saw the watch again and never cared about the watch again. But in fact, the medieval Jewish philosophers tended to say, no, no, no. The fact that the sun came up again Means because God is actively involved in creation every second, right? So notice how this is said. Ha-mechadesh is in the um, present tense, right? God re— and by the way, in the word is renews, renews. So, uh, so the idea that we're supposed to be f- filled with— again, I, I guess I would say it is. This is where I see. Um, The as I call it, the adult education textbook of Judaism. Here's what you're supposed to think. The sun came up again. You're not supposed to think, um, oh, you know what, there are these heavenly bodies and they're set in motion by the Big Bang and gravity and it's an automatic thing. So, of course, the sun came up again. But rather, the sun coming up again is evidence of renewal, that God is making creation again today and every second. So hamechadesh means the one who is renewing. When? Bechol yom. Every single day. For how long? By the way, did God just say, okay, sun, God flicked the sun, God is off stage, below the horizon, flicks the sun up, and then, God goes and reads a book? No. Tamid. Tamid. Every second. All right? Uh, uh, uh. Continually. That would be our English word. Okay? Continually. So the idea that we're coming back to when we come back to creation, Yotzer Oro Vorei and now we come back to Hamchadeish B'Tuvo B'choyon Tamid Maasev Reshi, which come, brings us back to the idea of the sun rose, which is evidence of God's action in creation is evidence for us that God is continually involved in creation. Proof text, ka'amur, as it says in the book of Psalms, le'oseh orim gedolim, ki le'olam chasto. Right? How is that a proof text for that idea? God makes the the luminaries, the sun, and this is evidence of God's chesed, God's kindness, is le'olam, which is here not taken to mean eternal, but is taken to mean continual, right? So the theological idea that God is continually creating, we should not say ho-hum, the sun rose again. What else is new? We should be filled with the idea of Oh my God, OMG, the sun rose again. What a miracle. The other day I was thinking, you know how um, those fancy basketball players who like twirl the basketball on their finger, right? If they stop twirling, the basketball falls off, right? You gotta keep doing something to keep it balancing, right? So that's the idea that popped into my head when I was thinking about teaching this class. Right, Hashem is like that basketball player who has to keep doing that. And if Hashem stopped doing that, says Maimonides, for one second, poof, none of us would exist. Now, by the way, you can believe that or, or not believe that, um, but that's the theological statement. Then we have, by the way, is there any question about that? We'll go for a few more minutes. Question, comment, okay? So we come back to the theme of creation, the universe, the natural order, and we say this is evidence of God's continuing creativeness, which is evidence of God's chesed, love, kindness, faithfulness, however you want to translate that, which is olam. It's not that God did this once. By the way, it's not like oh, God created the world and God did the exodus from Egypt a long time ago and then the Mashiach is going to come eventually in the future of time, but God is totally absent now, which is how... By the way, why does the Sidur have to say this? Because a lot of time human nature is to feel that God is absent now, right? Like, what is God doing for me right this second? Do I have any evidence of that? right? So the Sidur is saying, I think the fact that your heart is pumping blood right this second, which is part of the natural order, is because God is is, continually creating. Creation is a continuous act, not a one-time act. Then, or, Chadash Alzion Ta'ir Viniz Ulano Meherala Oro. Oh, cause a new light to shine upon Zion so that may we all merit its light. Now, what does this line mean? What is the new light to shine upon Zion? What do you think? Toss up question. Oh, Mashiach? M- probably Mashiach, because it's in the future, Ta'ir, right? If it was just Torah, Torah frequently is compared to light but we have Torah now. Ta'ir, in the future, we want to see the light shining on Zion, so restoration, messiah, etc. Now, I'm gonna ask you two questions. Why is this sentence here, and at, why might this sentence be here, and why might it not be here? Why, why is it here? What, 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 ina- what enabled the author to put it here? It's not a trick question. M- Meyer, go ahead, yeah that we go from the universal to the particular in the sense that call the creation affects the whole world and then it brings it back down to us, I guess, in the sense of... Uh, Good, but that would answer my second question. I think that's why it could not be here. Meaning, oh, how come all of a sudden you're talking about the Messiah? This is anything in this paragraph about, anything in this bracha so far about the Jewish people, about Israel, about history, about anything to do with anything particular it's not. No. So that could be a reason why it doesn't belong here, okay? Sort of a, an obvious reason. What's the literary reason of how the author makes it belong here? What's the metaphor that's used for redemption and messiah? It's light. It's light. 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 So basically, the author took, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it sharply, the author took an idea that does not belong here, conceptually, literarily, that doesn't really fit, okay? And because it's now about Jewish history, it's about particularist Jewish history. You can say it's universal also, okay? Because the Messiah will be the Messiah for the whole world, but it is talking about Zion, which is very particularist, which is Jerusalem, okay? So the author takes an, an idea which, I'm going to put it in quotes, doesn't belong here conceptually and literally, and put it in and managed to put it in by uh, using the metaphor of or. Okay? So I want everyone to see how it fits and how it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit because it's really not about God as creator, God of the universe, the sun, moon, and the stars. Doesn't fit. The author gets it to fit by using the metaphor of we're talking about light. This condition of redemption, when we go back to Zion, because Mashiach comes, is likened at various places in in the prophets to light. The metaphor of light is used. That's going to be the new light. So this is we talk, So we start out talking about the light that God makes. That God made from creation, which is with us every day, and then we say, okay, and we want to also get the new light. But the new light doesn't mean natural or universe light. It means. Uh, the Mashiach time, the redemption time. Judy? Um, why bring Mashiach into this at all? Well, right, so that's why it doesn't belong. If you can open the thing that I sent you by email, I'll give you, which Judy doesn't have, so I'll read it to you. So first of all, I'm going to go to the second page, which I'll read it to you. Second page, Sidur Rav Saadia Gaon. So Saadia, about 925, 950, one of the first two earliest Sidurim. So, first of all, we said in the past a couple times that um, about what is kedusha said. um, uh, Some people said the kedusha verses should not be said when you're davening alone. The same way when we say the amida, you don't say the kedusha if you're davening alone. Okay. So, in the second page there, it's Saadia's version of what you say. Notice at the top of the page, Tfilat hashachar liyachid. If you're praying individually, Terry, I think this was a question you asked last week or the week before. Here's what you say. So according to Saadia, here's what you say if you're davening alone. Baruch <laughs> ata Hashem Yotzer or Uvore Oseh shalom uvoret hakol. Hameir La laaris vladarim alei abrachamim rabim v'tuvo mechadeish b'cholyon tamid masef reshit baruch ata Hashem yotzer hamelrot. So that's the whole bracha according to Saadia. If you're not davening with a kahal, right? If you're not davening with a minion, so it's in fact extremely short. And Saadia was, um, by the way, voted down on the point of, are you allowed to say um, the seated Kedusha when you're not in a minion? His opinion was, you should not say that. Um, he was voted down, which is why today, if you are davening as an individual, you say the whole bracha, okay? same as when we do it publicly. But also notice, the second thing about Sadia is what is missing is Orchadash al tzion ta'ir, so there was a debate a debate among the early halakhic sources about whether this verse this line belongs or not Up through Maimonides Maimonides said this line does not belong for the reasons that we said Maimonides said this line does not belong because this is not the topic of the bracha. The topic of the bracha has nothing to do with the Messiah. Why are you bringing in the Messiah that is totally out of place? So actually, the groups in the Jewish world that make psaq halacha, or, or rule halakhically according to Rambam, are most of the Mizrachim, Eidot HaMizrach, so Moroccan, Yemenite, Etc. So if you look at, I, I, I checked my Moroccan sidur and my Yemenite sidur, and both of them do not have Or Hadash al-Zion Ta'ir. Okay? So there's a debate among medieval halakhic sources about whether you should say this phrase or not. Um, Maimonides was opposed to it, and the Mizrahi Traditions that follow Maimonides as their halachic decisor do not have or chadash al tziutir, meaning they have hamchadesh betuvo b'chol yom tamid masav reshi ka'amur lo se'orim gidolim keile olam chasto baruch ata Hashem yotzer ha'meorot. Okay. Whereas the Ashkenazi sidurim accepted the halachic opinion that. We do include Or Hadash Altiontai Uvenis Kefulan May Rali Oro. By the way, the reason for it that is given is that, like, yes, it's oh it basically says the Halachic sources says, say, even though it isn't really on the topic, it is okay to add a prayer for redemption in every single prayer that you say. Right? In other words, the halakhic sources that say you should say it. Do acknowledge that literally it does not fit. Right? But they say, but it's permissible, it's always permissible to add a prayer for redemption. Who, would ever, who should ever say to a Jew, no, 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 you may not pray for the Mashiach? Right? We don't say that. So, yes, literally it doesn't really fit. We acknowledge that. But it's always okay to add a prayer for redemption. Therefore, you should say this line. Everyone with me on that? So Rambam is 1200-ish, which means into the year 1200, there's a machloket among the poskim, the the halachic decisors, about whether or not you say that line. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, Maimonides, the greatest mind in Jewish history, da-da-da-da-da. The fact remains that there are, in general, I mean, it, the Ashkenazi world does not accept Maimonides as a halachic. never accepted Maimonides as a halachic decisor, right? So he is revered as great, but people say, but we're not Pasuken by the Rambam, we don't do halacha according to the Rambam, right? Um, it's the Sephardi, I don't want to say Sephardi because that means came, coming from Spain, but the Eidot the HaMizrach traditions that are Pasuken by the Rambam. So Rambam lost and Saadia lost. So Sa'adjah lost on two counts, right? So on one count he lost. When I say lost, I mean halachically, his position was not accepted, right? So we saw in that little snippet two halachic things that Sa'adjah implied, and we do not go by either one, okay? One halachic thing that you don't say, or hadash al tzion ta'ir, right? So the Ashkenazi tradition does not hold by that. And the second thing is, when you're davening alone, you don't say any of the Kedusha, all the stuff about their singing, their chanting, the angels, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. You don't say any of that, right? Again, mystical experience is potentially dangerous. We don't want to have any shred of mystical experience when people are alone. It's only safe to do when they're in a group. We talked about this at great length, about the dangers of mysticism. And um, and so when you're davening alone, no mention of Kedusha at all, period, end of story. I want to follow me on that. So Saadia lost on that ruling. By the way, it is universal, including in the Sephardic and Mizrahi traditions, that when you are davening biachid individually without a minion, you say the exact same yotzer bracha. The whole thing is the same as when you are with a minion. That's different in the second kedusha, the kedusha when you're standing in the amida, when we don't say it Biahid. But this first kedusha, the kedusha de miushav. The seated kedusha, also called the kedusha deyotzer, all traditions say, all all halachic traditions for the last eight hundred years plus would say uh, eight hundred to a thousand years would say no. You say the exact same kedusha when you're seated. You don't leave anything out. Okay, so saaja, i uh, in a second, right? So saaja made um, two points. Uh, there, and one of them was ho- totally rejected halakhically, and the other one continued to be accepted by Maimonides and the Mizrahi tradition, but not the Sephardi tradition, about the line about the future. Meyer, And then we'll, we'll take a question or comment or two, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, My question, yep. why, is this, why is this here in proximity to the Shema? Because it doesn't, it goes from here to and straight to the Shema, and how is this meant to sort of fit into that sequence? Do you mean or Hadash Al or do you mean the whole Bracha? The whole Bracha. You're ahead of me. You're, that, is an, that is an excellent question, which I, I, we will get to in the fullness of time. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay, I promise. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, sh- the short answer is creation, revelation, and redemption, which are the three brachot, which are the envelope of the Shema, meaning what should a Jew believe? A Jew should believe that God created the universe, God loves us and therefore gave us the Torah of Arabah, and as Rad abotenu, or Emet V'atziv, that God acts in history, So the God that we are committing to in the Shema, let's put it that way, the Shema is the statement of commitment, and then the envelope of the brachot is, and how do we apprehend God's presence in the world, Uh, which in modern theological, 20th century theological language, we say creation, revelation, redemption. Those are the three brachot of the Shema. So that's a shorthand answer for what we're going to talk about at greater length later. There was another hand. Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, actually, Reuven his book, Orchadash uh, has an interesting comment about different liturgical traditions, where he says regarding Orchadash Altsion Ta'ir, the discussion of physical light leads to the mention of the light of redemption. We pray for an end to exile. This petition was opposed by some as diverting from the main subject of the blessing, light, and creation. And then a point here some Sephardic prayer book substitute. And he created lights to to delight the world that he created. So moving away from this whole element of uh, Mashiach time, but instead focusing on the whole practice again of of creation. Right. Good. Thank you. Other questions, comments? All right, we're going to wrap up. See you, God willing, next week. Everyone have a great day.